Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome to Overnight America. It's going to be one of those cold, chilly nights, but we'll warm it up with some Canada next hour where it's always cold. And Shane Hewitt with The Shift will join us. But otherwise, we have things pretty open tonight. And we could open things right back up at the start. We could. We don't have to. But I do want to mention there's a few things that are going down and Later this hour, School Choice in Missouri might be getting a step forward. I saw this on Twitter. This is a pretty big deal. We'll have to get to that. Really, what I've been trying to do over the weekend is figure out a way to not feel overwhelmed by all of the news. And we've had this constant, steady buildup over and over. And and for the longest time, news is kind of like a bucket with a hole in the bottom where it slowly drips out. There's a constant flow of the news that goes in, and then eventually a lot of the older stuff dips out or the things that aren't as important dips out. But as of late, the water has been flowing over the top of the bucket as the hole on the bottom can't quite keep up. And while I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what am I going to do with this overflowing bucket of water when we go into the week where we'll have a new president with Joe Biden going to be put in during his inauguration ceremony on Wednesday. What are we going to do after that? Is it just going to continue to overflow? Do I need to go from a bucket to something like a Gatorade jug that they use on the sidelines of an NFL game? Am I going to have to expand to a water tower? What's what's next or a water jug? What are those things you put out to collect the rainwater, which I don't even know if they're legal, but I, I think about this next week and maybe the best thing to do is just carry an umbrella and just skip the rain altogether. That's a lot of analogies stuffed into the first couple of minutes on a Sunday night. So here's what I've been following, and I'm going to try my best not to do all sport, all uh, news talk tonight, it, mostly because there's some other fun things that I wanted to talk about in about 25 minutes from now. But here's uh, what I see online, and this is being reported by the AP. Trump is planning an elaborate send off for himself before Biden's inauguration. A couple of things that he apparently wants. I see Business Insider is the one reporting this, but I think it's from the AP. Uh, Red carpet, military band, U.S. Air Force fly by 
he's looking for um, other things too, but for the most part, discussing some of these ideas, how is the end of his president? Is it going to be this elaborate show or is it going to go off quietly you know, with a whimper? Uh, he is a president of the United States. Uh, he does deserve the respect on his way out. I know a lot of people don't like that idea, but he does. So what is it going to look like? I don't know. Or, here's what I would rather have. I would rather us not have to focus on all of this right now. It's at the point where this is just too much. Do I, do I really need to monitor what the ceremony is going to look like? Oh, I need to go look over the plans. Oh, what's being rumored here? And then again, every time there's these rumors that pop out, we find that it's mostly, oh, someone disgruntled leaked something here and it turns out not to be true or exaggerated. And then when the real event happens, it's furthest from the truth. And so none of these early reports seem to pan out most of the time. So I don't even know. I, I, they put so much importance into these preliminary whispers that seem to go nowhere. You feel like for now you would be done falling for this sort of thing and just ignore these type of stories. But here I am walking around paying attention to this stuff. I also want to point out that I don't know if when Joe Biden is president and Kamala Harris will have a, a press that will treat them the same way that they treated this administration. But all indications are no. Uh, did, I don't know if you saw the 60 Minutes interview this weekend. They talked to Kamala Harris and they were asking her about her shoes. They made a lot of time to discuss why she wears Chuck Taylor shoes. And I'm thinking to myself, you decided to edit that in. This is the best of your interview. You, you, multiple questions on why she decides to wear Chuck Taylors. It goes back into the time when the number one default question in the 90s, what do you wear, boxers or briefs? And I think Barbara Walters asked it one time. And then after that, it was kind of the cliche. Everyone asked that sort of question. But now we go back and look at it and think, well, that's kind of a weak question. <laughs> Uh, when you're talking to someone that's about to be the vice president of the United States. And then I'm thinking, OK, is this what we're going to get? We're going to get a bunch of fluff pieces for the next four years. And now what they're doing is reporting hard news on rumors of what Trump wants on his way out. It's such a weird comparison of how the two people are uh, handled when it comes to press media. So that's why I don't want to put too much into it. Lindsey Graham also putting together a, a article or I guess a letter today. He wrote a letter to Chuck Schumer talking about what he thinks should happen. He said the Senate should vote to dismiss the article of impeachment once it is received in the Senate. I don't know if there's a date or a time set for that. We had a great topic last week where someone threw the idea of Joe Biden pardoning Donald Trump. And I thought, wow, wouldn't that be a power move right there? That makes you look like, a, I mean, a big power player. You walk right in. I don't think that's on his list. In fact, there's a whole lineup of things that he wants to sign right when he hops into office on day one and two. So we'll go through that later. But Lindsey Graham makes his case, talks about how constitutional impeachment power has been basically weakened based on what happened in the House here. No investigation, no talking to anyone, just pushing this thing through in a partisan type of way, knowing that the person's going to be out of office in a couple of days. It's really not a good look. So maybe allow the house to have their moment where they get to go out and say, we don't like this guy officially. 
and then don't treat it as a official, hey, we're going to hand it over to the Senate and we're going to do a full trial and we're going to hold things up for two weeks and we're going to keep all this business and put it aside for something we all know is really unnecessary. I mean, he's not going to be in office. Is it really your best time or in general, is this really the best look in the way that you want to handle impeachments? As in, as long as you get the party rallied up and you have a majority, then impeachments are meaningless because it's just a quick little vote and be done with it. And I really hope that's not the way it goes. And this would send a nice message to be done with it. And, you know, Schumer would be snarky when he gets in there and he would try to say a couple of, you know, things, uh, backhanded kidney punch type of. But in the end, you get what you want both ways. Trump's going to be on his way. He's going to be out of uh, office, out of politics. And it's the end. And you can move on and we can go back to trying to criticize Biden for whatever. Fill in the blank the way it should be. Three, one, four, four, three, six, seventy nine hundred or eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. I guess I could read some of that letter. But like I said, the bucket is overflowing. I'm going to try to find things that have been slipping out of the bucket, mostly because the things that have been dripping out haven't been that appealing. And I know it's going to continue this week. I saw this report online. Ice cream from China has been contaminated with coronavirus. What in the world are we doing importing ice cream from China? That is the worst idea ever. And something else uh, coronavirus related. Apparently in New Jersey, they have upped the priority for certain at-risk people above first responders. Now, who is that at-risk population that they want to give the vaccine to before first responders? We'll talk about that, too, and why it's causing a controversy next on Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And here we are on Overnight America. As one person texted in, my analogy with the bucket with the hole may not be exactly the right thing at this point. It's a strainer. <laughs> it's as many, uh, multiple holes, lots of water spilling out of it. Uh, welcome back. So I wanted to talk about this one thing, and I saw this first when Fox News reported it. Originally, it was a station out of Detroit that started to talk about it, but Fox, as a you know news network, foxnews.com, posted ice cream from China contaminated with coronavirus. Oh, come on now. It's 2021. We're supposed to be past this. What are we doing buying China's ice cream? There's a thing that. You buy pet snacks. You look at where that food is coming from. If the food is from China, you skip it. You don't buy that treat. You don't buy that snack. Why? Because there have been lots of instances where that consumable product for your animal has been deadly and you got to stay away from that sort of thing. You got to look where that origin is. And I'm thinking to myself, now do I have to check every label of anything I buy because not even ice cream is safe from importing from China? If I wouldn't feed this stuff to my dog, why am I, why would I be buying this stuff anyway? Uh, so this is what they said. Three samples of ice cream from a Chinese company tested positive and thousands of boxes of the dessert have been taken away as a result. It's a food company 
called. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Apparently, Sky News is the first to report this. Sky News is kind of like, I think, a Fox sister affiliate overseas in Europe. But the food company had all kinds of different product that they tested. I didn't realize they constantly test food from other countries, but more than half of the total boxes have already been distributed. So it may be out there right now. It's T-I-A-N-J-I-N, Tangin. And the food, apparently, uh, employees of the company were tested. There's about 1,600 employees, so it's not a small operation. 1,600 is a lot of people to be working together. And in the time of the coronavirus, you're jamming 16,000 people into a factory to make this ice cream. I'm going to guess the conditions at this Chinese factory, probably not the greatest. (laughs) And what we know, too, is that they've already lifted a lot of the different restrictions in China. I know they're cautious, but they're not on lockdown. So they're freely moving around and making ice cream. Officials believe the coronavirus was able to survive in the ice cream thanks to the cold temperatures. Isn't that nice? Cold temperatures added up. Everything I look at now, I'm going to think, is there a virus in there? How are we going to ever be able to figure this thing out? It's in the sci-fi movies. You normally put on some sort of goggles and you'd press a button and the goggles would have some sort of like computer programming language on the bottom. And there'd be like these little crosshairs and it would beep, beep, beep. And it would like lock into your food and it would scan it and it would tell you if it was safe. We need Elon Musk to start working on something like that. Dr. Stephen Griffin is University of Leeds told Sky News that the complications was likely a one off and not a broader issue with the plant itself. Are you trusting that plant? When you hear a story about, hey, imported ice cream from China tested positive for the coronavirus, it may be in your freezer right now if you're buying Chinese ice cream. Are you thinking to yourself, oh, no, it's just no big deal. Like, yeah, if I don't have it now, I I wouldn't feel uncomfortable. No, man. Next time I go, I'm going to check every label. If I and I've been doing the grocery shopping for the family since we've had our second kid and my wife 24 seven with this baby. Not that I'm uh, hands off. I help, but it's not the same, right? The the motherly touch. So I've been doing all the grunt work. I do uh, all of the laundry. I help with our six-year-old son, and I do most of the work with him now. I do the grocery shopping. I do it all. And of course, on top of that, the radio show. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I normally like to just run into the grocery store like it's supermarket sweep. I know what I want to get. I try to not even stop. In fact, I just try to hold my hand out and see what falls into the basket. That's good enough. Might not be exactly what we need, but I'll just tell the wife, oh, you know what? Uh, They didn't have it, so I got this instead. And it works like a charm. So get in and out of these things. You got to find the right line. You want to bust in and out. I'm pretty good at this. I do my shopping at Aldi, so everyone's like that. You walk into an Aldi. You, you, you walk into an Aldi, you make it sound like if you can get out of there in 10 minutes, the food's free. And that's how everyone's running around inside there. And that's the way I like it. <laughs> in fact, if every shopping experience was like that, if I can just say, boom, 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 get me in and out, I don't need to be going in here and browsing everything. I know what I want and get out of my way. Life would be better. Life would be great. The virus couldn't catch me. I'd be so fast. But now I got to go through this thing. We're not going to spend twice the amount of time looking at everything while I'm there. Oh, man. 
This is uh, how the lazy part of me gets in there and says, you know, even if I got it, I'd probably be fine. <laughs> Do I need to check the label? Oy. All right. Here's another controversy with the coronavirus. Obviously, I don't think that way. I'm not. <laughs> here's another thing with the coronavirus in New Jersey, which is a thing by itself. New Jersey is is of all the states to live in. I think I wouldn't want to live in California because of the taxes. And it would just not be my thing, right? Do I really want to give most of my income to the government? I don't think so. Plus, they got all kinds of other issues. They can't take care of the homeless, but, you know, they want to do all of these other social programs. I'm going to say I'll pass. Yeah. Um, And plus the cost of a home. Like, do you want to spend a million dollars on a 1,500 square foot home with no property? I don't think so. That's if you're lucky in some of these places. But um, in New Jersey... New Jersey's got their separate problems. New Jersey's a whole different idea. You may be listening in New Jersey right now. We had family that grew up, in, uh, growing up, we had family in New Jersey, so we'd visit there once a summer. I get a pretty good feel for what New Jersey was like. It's crazy for different reasons. Not quite the California reasons, but crazy for different reasons. And they apparently made millions of more people eligible to get the vaccine, which prompted people to be pretty upset because they say there's a line, an inoculation line, The line should go elderly, first responders, things like that, people with conditions, like very serious conditions to try to get them back and protect them from this deadly virus. Because once you add these uh, co-problems that could uh, complicate the virus to begin with, then all of a sudden you're making things a lot worse. Do you want to have someone in a hospital for a month or have to turn them away and have treatment home and then their likelihood of dying because of the coronavirus is that much higher. No, you don't want that. So now they added someone else in there. They said, okay, we're going to skip the elderly. We're going to skip the line for first line responders. If you're a smoker, you're going to get up first. The center for disease control prevention says, you know, cancer, kidney disease, other illnesses, those are all very important, but we're going to add smokers to the list so they can jump in there because they're also a significant risk for contracting the coronavirus. New Jersey is getting a lot of criticism for this. Now, in the effort that we've seen to try to get as many shots out as possible, um, they rushed it, of course, with the doses getting out and distributed. They're trying to get as many people as possible. What I think has happened is that when you have a priority and you're trying to just target those that have the highest priority, it's a little bit more difficult than opening it up for everyone and then first come, first serve. Now, if this was a first come, first serve situation, I feel like the amount of vaccines we've been given out would be 10 times the amount, mostly because you don't have to worry about it. They'll come to you. There's a lot of people, I think, eager to get it. And that makes it fine, right? But if you're purposely trying to target certain people, you have to contact them. You have to schedule them. You have to convince them in some cases. And then they have to show up and they have to do all of these things. And then you have to keep it orderly. So all of these things have to just fall into place the right way. If you would have just said, hey, sign up sheet is here. Put your name down. Come at the time. We'll get you in. We'll get you out and you'll be done. Then we would have millions and millions and millions of more. But that's not how it works. I feel like if you're going to keep a tier list, a priority list, And you're saying that, hey, cancer and kidney disease and first responders, 
are on the same level as smokers when it comes to priority, I think you're setting the wrong message, the wrong message, because, OK, let's just put it this way. There's a couple of different reasons why it's different. And the one glaring obvious reason is that when you're a smoker, you're deciding to smoke. OK, you, you, you're addicted to something that is pretty terrible. Right. I know a lot of people do it. And I know probably a lot of smokers are listening right now, but you use your freedom to partake in that. If you're talking about someone that has a disease, they didn't ask for that. You're talking about frontline workers that are put out in front of this and they've been working like crazy. They've been working like dogs to make sure everyone that walks into a hospital or somewhere can get the treatment they need. They've been working like crazy. They didn't ask for this giant virus to come here and to be putting in the overtime and to be separated from their families and the risks of being quarantined and away from family members. They didn't ask for that. They didn't ask to uh, have to handle the hassle of angry people coming through the door. They didn't ask that. Frontline workers, they didn't ask for that. Smokers, listen. At this point, if they start opening things up, you got to let the frontline workers in first. I don't care if the government and Sam Page says, no, we're going to we want them in. Don't do it. You, they got a higher priority. That is a, such a New Jersey thing, isn't it? How did they even convince in a way to get that to work out that way? Who knows? Three, one, four, four, three, six, seventy nine hundred. I know Sundays are such a slow day. I get it. Like every time uh, a Sunday rolls around, I know it's going to be a quiet Sunday because not a lot of people like to pick up the phone Sunday nights. So I got something fun for you. I was watching a YouTube video from a entertainer by the name of Vsauce. That's their channel name. His name's Michael, but the Vsauce is the channel. And he did a thing about time, the illusion of time. And one thing struck me in there that was so fascinating. I thought, let's do that tonight and we'll do a little experiment. So that is coming up next. It's Overnight America, KMOX. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back. It's Overnight America. Our friend Shane Hewitt with The Shift in Canada. We'll hook up with him in an hour. We do that about 1230. I'm on Facebook, Ryan Recker Radio. You can find it on there. And I was watching this YouTube video over the weekend, and I was really inspired by it. I really thought it was a fascinating take on time in the illusion of time it's time exists this is time a dimension what is time so i started to watch this and he mentioned how we look at ourselves as static in time and ain't that the truth and what he means by that is i want you to think about yourself and if you're someone over the age of 35, 40, 45 whatever it is and someone says to you when were the 1990s you probably say uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> Why? Because even though you're moving in time, you're getting older and everything else is moving around you. It seems like other things don't to you relative because you feel like you don't change as much. And even though other things do, you feel like you don't change. You're still in the same static spot, even though we are now 21 years removed from the 90s, probably more like 31 years from the start of the 90s. Wow, isn't that mind-blowing to me think about all the different movies and television shows and music that were just in your ears all of those years and that made me wonder so let's kind of do an experiment here 
and it's going to be strange to think of this, but I look back to 1996. So that's 25 years ago. And it was right in the middle of the 90s. So there was a lot going on. What do you think the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100? Hot 100 meaning the most popular songs of the year. 1996. Do you really want to know? Because once I play this, I'm not going to be able to unplay it. I think you know the song already, don't you? All right. Even though I hear this, I hate it. That's the Macarena. Now, the number one song of the year was the Macarena Bayside Boys Mix from Los Del Rio. That was the best 1996 can offer. Doesn't that make you feel a little, it doesn't make me feel old. It makes me feel like, what were we doing in the 90s where that was the best song? So to put that in perspective, if you are sitting there, you're in your 96 Ford Aerostar van, and you're listening to the radio. I don't even know what station would have played it here in St. Louis. And the Macarena comes on. And you're like, oh, turn that up. You move over the little turn dial on the Ford Aerostar. And you're listening to this thing and you're just enjoying it. You're jamming to it. And you were to think to yourself, wow, I wonder what they were listening to 25 years ago. If you go back to 1971, this would have been the top song of the year. Now, everyone knows that song. That was the top song in 1971. Let me just put this in perspective. If you're old enough to remember when that song was on the radio, like you're Doug and you're listening right now on a Sunday night, smoking a cigar or whatever Doug does on a Sunday night, (laughs) and you heard that and you're like, oh, I remember when that came out. That probably doesn't feel like it came out 50 years ago, does it? The weird thing is we are as removed from the Macarena as the Macarena is removed from Joy to the World And depending on your age, both of those may feel like they just came out a couple of years ago. Now, if you're in your 70s, you know, and you're 20 when Joy of the World came out, or let's say you're uh, let's say you're 60 and you're 11 years old, you're into rock music, you're buying vinyl uh, or, you know, a little bit older than that. Let's say you're in your teens and that song comes on that instantly takes you back, doesn't it? You're thinking about what you're doing in the 70s and you're thinking about uh, all the other things (laughs) that went on in the 70s. And then the Macarena, uh, 25 years later. Now, think about someone my age, someone in their 30s that would hear that song and think, man, I remember back in school when the gym class would play that and you had to dance for gym. Like there was a dance portion of the gym class at school and they would play that and they would force you to learn that song to me i'm i mean scarred for the rest of my life to say at least at one point in my life i did that dance yeah no i didn't listen i didn't willingly do it i feel like i was forced and i feel like there may be some sort of lawyer that would take on my case if i ever decided to sue the small school that no longer exists out of existence again just to make a point 
But um, that's that is just boggling to me. And that's the illusion of time where we are set to where we are. For some reason, we never get older. We're like Peter Pan and everything else changes. But for some reason, when you play that song, it's like it just came out last year. You want to know some of the other popular songs from 96? All right, let's let's go back into the 25 years ago. Here's all here's some of the songs that are going to be turning 25. And it's so weird to look at some of these. All right, this is a good example. Here is one great song from uh, 1996. Yeah, I think you know this song, don't you? I think you very much know this song because it's been on like all kinds of different radio stations. This is Tracy Chapman. Give me one reason. Yeah, that's right. We're doing music tonight. Give me one reason to stay here. And I'll turn right back around. This, this is 25 years old. You want to know it's 50 years old? Here's a song that came out. 50 years ago was 1971. You know, I got to say, I've never worked at a radio station that played Tracy Chapman or John Denver, Take Me Home, Country Roads. I've been right in the middle of that. I've been on classic rock stations. Uh, I've worked on a sports talk station. Of course, News Talk, which I'm on now, but I've worked at other places similar to it. But never have I been able to ramp up John Denver Take Me Home Country Road when one day I may be able to do it just for the fun of it. And I I look back at some of these other songs from 25 years. uh, The Crossroads from Bone Thugs and Harmony. (laughs) A lot of these songs, the only reason I know it is because Weird Al did a version of it. Or it was because MTV, when they used to play music, I would catch it every once in a while and watch things. You know, back when MTV used to play music. Now that dates you too. Pull out your Blockbuster rental card and give Pizza Hut a call because you're going to go in and play some video games while you're waiting for your pizza. Um, Because you got, oh, man, and you got that book it. uh, You got that book it certificate from reading a book at school and you got a personal pan pizza with your name on it. So here's a couple of the other songs from 96. Um Alanis Morissette, ironic. Oh, man, does that one take you back or what? It's not that I'm a big Alanis Morissette fan, but I'll tell you, if I'm driving in the car in like our sister station, KEZK or someone, or Y98 decides to play this, you better believe I'm listening to it. He won the lottery and died the next day. It's a black fly in your Chardonnay. It's a death row pardon, two minutes too late, and isn't it ironic, don't you think? 
you know, Alanis Morissette, when she did that music video, I realized very quickly as I started to watch some of these music videos from the 90s, they all loved hopping into a car and filming themselves. Like every music video in the 90s has is them singing in a car. All of them. All of them. Let's see what else we got. Uh, follow you down by the gin blossoms. Yeah. Eric Clapton changed the world. That's hard to believe that came out in the 90s, too. This turns 25 this year. But for now, I find it's only in my dreams that I can change the world. I will be the sunlight in your universe. You would think my love was really something, baby, if I could change. I think I, that was on the greatest album, the greatest hit CD, and I had it, and that was such a great tune. And Eric Clapton, something else. I was lucky enough to see him one time on accident, and that maybe that's a story for another time. Just he was not supposed to be playing there. So you want to go back fifty years? Here's a song. This is going to make you, uh, if if you remember this song being out on the radio and playing when it was new, you're really dating yourself. It was just my imagination Running away with me It was just my imagination Running away with me And we are as removed from that song as that song is removed from, what, 1921? You want to go 50 years back after that? Yeah, 1921. Think of, you can't even name a song from 1921 that's not from the church hymnal, can you? Probably not. You know, I think about some of the movies like Charlie Chaplin was just starting to take off at a time like that. You're getting to a really weird time. Hey, you know, 50 years or 100 years, go back. We're looking at another pandemic that was sweeping through, kind of facing similar problems. But that's the that song, The Temptations, just my imagination is like right in the middle of two pandemics. <laughs> so that's so strange. It's weird to think all of that. Going back to, let's see, 1996, Celine Dion. It's all coming back to me now. See, I don't know some of these songs. Goo Goo Dolls name. <laughs> a lot of these songs take me back to working. I worked for a Parks and Rec department in the 90s inside the Parks and Rec department. Mostly during the summer, there was always the one radio station that would play these type of songs that they would have blaring over the PA for all the people that were uh, swimming. And the same radio station would be playing inside the community center as well. So you got to hear all the same songs over and over again. It takes me right back to minimum wage job working at the pool. Alanis Morissette, you ought to know. <laughs> Uh, Mary J. Blige is in there. Mo, collective soul, the world I know. Wow, Smashing Pumpkins, 1979. Hootie and the Blowfish is on this Oasis Wonderwall. 
Wow. These are all songs turning 25 years old. Pretty amazing. We might have to do this later in the show tonight. This was fun. I got a whole a bunch of other songs. And to be honest, I tried to look for songs from 2020 to try to give a modern perspective. After you get past like the top 10 songs on the billboard, all of them are just so filthy profane. I couldn't even look at them on YouTube. It was like, I, I, what am I even looking at here? So I gave up on that. This is Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. Is this from 96? Ah, uh, who knows? Let's see. It's on there somewhere, I'm sure. All I know is this was used for a meme for Michigan football when they decided to do this train play. That's all I know it from. But 96 was just chock full of different songs. You can basically program an entire radio station just playing songs from 1996. Macarena's on there twice. Hate to ruin 96 after talking it up, but yeah, it was on the Billboard Hot 100 twice. Metallica until it sleeps. Yeah, that's when MTV would play music videos. You would pop on and there'd even be a chance to see Metallica without Beavis and Butthead making fun of it. Man. I just want to go grab a surge and I don't know, a surge in the 90s, maybe the whole idea of what we've found, uh, all of these things that went down in the 90s. If I had a time machine and they said you can go back to one era and I'd pick, probably pick like 96, that would almost be like the sweet spot. Internet's just starting to come around. Um, I think 96 might have been around the time when we got AOL in the house. And I thought that was just unbelievable. $20 a month. And I had to convince my parents it was worth it because they didn't know what it was. And you know what? I didn't really know much about it either. But all I knew is you can go to uh, websites. And who knew what a website was? It's just a whole different world out there in 96. But that was fun. Kevin Colleen is someone much like us who's been paying close attention to the news. (laughs) Terrible transition. And he's got another take on this week's whole other story about the big event from this week. As I was getting ready to leave the office on Friday afternoon, there was a a report that the MyPillow man was at the White House. A Washington Post photographer with a long lens snapped a picture of a document he was holding that it was curled over. You could only see half of it, but it seemed to say something about how President Trump should take drastic measures to save the Constitution. Earlier in the day Friday, I saw President-elect Joe Biden on the news talking about vaccines And his demeanor was confident. He seems ready to go. He seems a lot sharper mentally than he did earlier in the campaign. And I had to wonder if they've given him something to shoo away the cobwebs. Well, many people have the feeling that something big is looming. Something is about to happen. I read the comments on Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's Twitter page. And one woman said she feels like his Twitter page is the last haven for stragglers who used to go to all the other accounts that have been banned. Half the country feels like their team has lost the World Series and the other team cheated. The other half feels that Trump supporters are nuts and they can't wait for the president to leave office. Not knowing what to think, I bought a few gallons of bottled water and put them in the basement on the floor where the basement crickets hop at night. A few weeks ago, I bought some firewood just in case something happens and our only heat source is the fireplace. But who knows? I mean... Usually in situations like this, nothing happens. Remember Y2K? 
Remember the Ivan Browning New Madrid earthquake prediction? Remember the Geraldo Rivero special on Al Capone's vault? I remember four years ago when people were sobbing and taking time off work and college classes were canceled because Hillary Clinton had lost, but life went on, and hopefully life will go on again. Can a living person ever really know what's going on in their own lifetime, or is it up to their children to find out 30 years later when the book comes out? With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Colleen. Mm, and we'll still think we're right in the middle of it. I feel like there's going to be a forever forever punching bag in Donald Trump for some people and uh, not looking uh, forward to how all of this will play out in the future. Who knows what's going to happen this week, but Kevin Klein's got a pretty good grip on it. Do I need to go get some water for the crickets in the basement? Put them right next to it. I'm glad I'm not the only one that gets an occasional one. Once in a while, I'll find one, but it's not that often. And coming up next hour, our friend Shane Hewitt from Canada. He's on all the Chorus Radio networks there at night. We do this Sunday hookup where we do our show, which covers in blankets the United States, with his that covers in blankets Canada. Looking forward to that. Look at your weather in your news coming up next, too. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. Find me on Facebook, Ryan Recker Radio. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.